This episode is a part of a special series devoted to a new edited book titled Social and Emotional Learning in Physical Education, Applications in School and Community Settings. Published by Jones and Bartlett Learning in cooperation with Shape America, the book is edited by Dr. Paul Wright of Northern Illinois University and Dr. Kevin Richards of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. It's available for fall 2021 instruction. The text will integrate well into physical education teacher education coursework, and it's a great resource for teachers looking to increase the focus on social and emotional learning in their classes. This special series is sponsored by the Physical Activity and Life Skills Group in the Department of Kinesiology and Physical Education at Northern Illinois University. Hey, Risto here at George Mason University. I'm joined today by Dr. Joseph Durlach, who is Professor Emeritus of Psychology at Loyola University, Chicago. Uh, He's a leading expert on outcome research related to children's social and emotional development and the prevention of youth problem behavior. Uh, He's a lead editor of the Handbook of Social and Emotional Learning, Research and Practice, published by Guilford Press. And he wrote the foreword to this upcoming book we're doing a special series on. And I'm very honored to have you on, Dr. Derlach. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Risto. It's a nice compliment to be asked to be on this podcast. So we have a set of seven podcasts coming out weekly on SEL and PE, and this book launches on July 1st. So we have eight weeks of uh, talking about this issue in general, but I'm very happy to have you kick off the special series. Um, You are what people call a legend in the SEL world. Uh, So I'm wondering, can you first explain why you chose to take the time to write the foreword to this book surrounding physical education and SEL? Well, I talked to Paul Wright, who was the the lead editor on this book, about what it was about. Uh, And basically, I just wanted to learn what was going on in physical education and sports education that was connected to SEL. I didn't know what folks have been up to over the past few years. Uh, And although I know the general SEL literature, and (laughs) Paul sort of uh, acknowledged this, a lot of times physical ed and sports ed is given second or third status in terms of educational changes. So it was a learning experience for me, and I was really excited about uh, what they're doing in this field now. Uh, And so I agreed to to read the book. Uh, I wrote a review of it and agreed to write the foreword and learned a lot, learned a lot about it. So what were your experiences in moving or sports as as you were growing up when you were young going to school? Well, actually, I was in a good spot. I mean, I was a very active kid. Um, uh, I liked outdoor stuff. I like I participated in all kinds of sports and everything. Uh, and when I got into you know PE classes and everything, I enjoyed them. I mean, I didn't mind doing the exercises. I didn't mind doing running. I was always a good runner. Um, so it was fine to me. And a lot of this stuff I took as a challenge, you know, to try and improve each time. Uh, now, that was my experience. However, <laughs> uh, I know the experiences of some of my peers were not like that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think you're going to talk about this. Yeah. Later. Yeah. And that's and that's the that's the trouble, I guess, being in physical education, teacher education, because you hear so many bad experience throughout. Uh, so I'm wondering, do you feel like your kind of sports or physical activity experiences contained these SEO competencies that are addressed in the book and that you've written very widely on, do you feel like they covered those or did they, did they miss it? 
Oh, they they totally missed it. <laughs> and actually, my experience, of course, you know, uh, I am retired now, so I'm going back uh, pretty way, pretty far away. Uh, but I mean, we had the standard stereotypic kind of experience in terms of phys ed in high school. The phys ed classes were taught by the football coach, mm-hmm. who came on and grunted and yelled a little bit and put us through our paces. There was no explanation whatsoever why we were doing anything. (laughs) There was no really help or assistance in getting anything done. (laughs) Uh, And so it was just, you know, that kind of experience, which I think happened a lot in the old days. That's why I was so interested in seeing what the new developments were in the field. And again, I was okay with this because I enjoyed the physical exercise. I enjoyed the, you know, I getting off my excess energy and then going back to, to classes and everything. But I know a lot of my, some of my peers, you know, they, they didn't appreciate it at all. Yeah. Uh, and you had some groups that, you know, they might have been overweight or out of condition, so they didn't like this at all. <laughs> there were others that just weren't into it. Uh, and so, and those people were all ignored. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing about helping each other out. There was nothing about sort of a group approach. Um, and so that's kind of I mean, that, that's kind of like the way it was so often in physical education, I think. Yeah. Um, and it might be still in some spots, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's there are students that come up through PE in that traditional way that, you know, are adults now and they say, I turned out fine. It was OK. Like. I know it wasn't the best experience, and I try to remind them that you succeeded despite one of the worst ways to learn, and you forget about the other people who were aside you that just had a terrible experience. Um, Right. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So SEL has had this huge growth, let's just say growth in education recently. I mean, obviously, people have been interested in SEL for, for years and years and years, but it seems like every single school is now talking about it, trying to tackle it head on, or at least they say they are on paper. So can you talk about this growth of SEL and where did it come from? Why is it so popular now? Well, I think well, I think what you intimated is, is true. I mean, I think some of these elements about SEL have always been in education. They haven't been prominent. I think it's only recently within the last couple of decades where different kinds of papers have come out um, sort of sanctioning or showing how effective these kinds of things can be. And if you think about it, if you think about the basic issues with respect to SEL, I, they resonate with educators. Um, I mean, you're talking about you know, SEL, you're talking about helping kids uh, apply, or apply some knowledge and skills that are important so that they can manage their emotions their attitudes and their skills. They can set and achieve realistic goals. They can feel and show empathy for others. They can maintain positive relationships with not only peers but adults, and they can make responsible decisions. Now, what educator would not be interested in any approach that helps kids do that Mm -hmm. or that tries to promote that kind of development in kids? So that's why I think, you know, so many teachers and principals can sort of glom onto this idea and say, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's part of education. Uh, we want to do it. Uh, 
and so it, so that's kind of like fueled the developments, and so now it's become uh, so popular within education. And it's interesting that you say uh, a lot of uh, schools say they do it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think that's an issue in the in the literature in terms of well, what actually are they doing, and are they doing it in the most effective way? And I think we'll probably get into that later. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's that's true. Uh, we've we've worked with some schools that we've looked at their ability to implement restorative practices, and when I look on paper, they have a lot of restorative practice. Con- content in their faculty handbooks, but then when you go in and actually observe, is a restorative practice being implemented, and it's not. And I think that that's yeah. the same with SEL. Is you know in the in the faculty handbook, it talks about how you're supposed to do this, and these are the things that we privilege. But then when push comes to shove, it's standardized testing. It's making sure that you're teaching to the test, and you have a super rigorous, uh, structured teacher-led. Um, you know, mm-hmm. lesson all the way throughout. And I just think it's, um, and, I'm, and I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, research out on this as well of that kind of balance. So uh, off, off the cuff here, like, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you fix that? Like, how do you make what's written on faculty handbooks and popular media and research papers, how do you actually implement SEL in, um, in these schools that are have it written down, but are not actually practicing it. Well, you know, if uh, if you really want it done well, okay, and you really want it integrated into education, I think the ultimate solution is through teacher training in mm-hmm. education. Uh, we've got to train teachers from the get-go about how important this is, and we've got to make sure that they sort of accept this as part of their teaching responsibility. And I think they will if it's delivered right. So the future teachers of America have to be educated about this and have to be trained on how to do it. And that, that doesn't happen in very many teacher education programs. Yeah. Um, so what's happened is, well, people have tried to go in after the facts <laughs> at students or teachers that are already there doing their thing uh, in introducing these kinds of programs. But again, we talked about how popular it is because a lot of the teachers and a lot of the educators and administrators can see the value in this. But the long-range solution is through teacher education, I think. And so, you train one teacher to do it, and for her or his entire career, they'll they'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so what about the this idea of continuous professional devel- development? Do you feel like... Because, I mean, yes, if we all make a change today, then in four years or a year, whenever we're producing these new teachers, they're going to be a very, very small percentage of teachers in the U.S. who are doing this correctly. And that's a start. That's very, very good, right? But 95% of the teacher workforce was not trained in this if we just started today. So how do we get to, to that point? What... What does like a continuous professional development look like to teach people who have been teaching a certain way and all of a sudden coming in and saying, hey, you have to do this SEL? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think you phrase it the way you don't have to do this SEL. It's like we're going we're gonna to teach you these, these techniques that are going to achieve these kinds of goals that not only will help kids, but they're going to help you teach more effectively. 
And I think that's been part of the selling point in terms of the programs that have been uh, advertised and introduced into the schools. Uh, so we do have a lots of we do have many schools, you know, throughout the country and throughout the world, in fact, that have picked up on this kind of issue. So there is some receptability to it. Mm-hmm. The issue then comes, it's, it's more difficult now because you have people coming from outside the schools okay, to come in and help teachers learn these new kinds of things. And some of them really has to just have to, have to do what, what's, what some of them already do, because some teachers are already good at this. Um, but we don't have enough people <laughs> to train and consult with others. Uh, that's part of it. And my, my issue with uh, teacher development is that the professional development, the in-service training for teachers, is often terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know about your reactions mm-hmm. to it. But they have these one-day workshops where someone gets out and talks about something. Yeah. Uh, and you get a little glimmer of what could be good, but you don't really learn how to do it. And yeah. that's, the more, that's the more complicated part. You know, how do, how do we... Uh, improved t- professional development of teachers. Uh, yeah. Where are all of the resources going to come from to do that? And will education change a little bit so that this can be accomplished? Yeah. So, what does good integration of SEL look like? Like, if you walk into a classroom, can you see good SEL integration? Usually, you can. Um, Usually, it's naturally and flowing from the interactions between teachers and students. Um, so you can tell if a teacher is just interested in covering a particular topic, uh, teaches down to students, doesn't know how to manage students effectively, isn't responsive to students' reactions and student needs. Uh, And, of course, that's all part of the flow in terms of the SEL. You get this sort of natural flow where uh, teachers easily cover materials, the students get engaged in materials. Most of this class is involved. You can't always reach everybody all the time. And you can see it in the responsiveness of the students in terms of how engaged they are, how active they are, uh, how responsive they are, not only to the teacher but to each other. Uh, so you so yeah it when it works it works very efficiently and very well yeah when it doesn't work you can see where the teachers having some problems or the students are having some problems connecting yeah and and i think that when you go in and you see that and you understand the seo framework or you know the castle competencies and if you're just right. observing you can see where okay this specific competency if added correctly could do a, a world of difference in in those classrooms um, yeah exactly you, you see you see the, the the competencies being acted out okay so uh, a teacher's covering some particular topic and she moves over to a small group of students and there's one or two students that aren't involved you know and you can you can see the teacher respond to those students to get them involved yeah. So what do you think is going on? What kind of difficulties are you having? Tell me about this. Uh, and, you know, it just, you can, you, like you say, you can see the skills about trying to help kids, de- how teachers help kids develop these different skills. Yeah. And, of course, you mo- that models it for other students. So the classroom is a great place for positive modeling. 
Absolutely. Kids can see each other doing some things. And if you get kids helping each other, both, both groups uh, benefit. I mean, that's, that's been a, a positive finding in tutoring programs. When you have kids, an older kid tutoring a younger kid, the younger kid and the older kid benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a, a system that we're trying to implement in some of our uh, after-school programming is this, like, grow your own system. Like, you go into the after-school program as a fourth, fifth, sixth grader, so on and so forth. As you get into high school, you're coming back and tutoring and helping kids that used to be you. And I think that there's an immense uh, amount of pride that somebody gets in staying within their community, helping out kids in their own school or school community. And I think that that's a, a tutoring example is a really, really good, like strong visual of, you know, being able to give back to where, where you came from. You know, there's, a, there's an old principle that was advocated by a social worker from the University of Wisconsin. He called this the helper therapy principle. And he said, when you put a person in a role in which they are helping other people, that benefits the helper as well as the helpee, let's say. Uh, and I think, that, I think that phenomenon occurs you know, across all kinds of fields, mm-hmm. not only in education, but in work situations. Yeah. You know, you give someone some status and say, hey, can you manage this? Can you help these guys out? Uh, And I think everybody benefits. Yeah, absolutely. So in kind of wrapping this up, I want to ask you how you feel like this book fits in. I mean, you've read so widely on SEL. You've literally written the handbook on SEL. So Mm -hmm. how do you feel like this book fits in with the wider field of SEL and education? Well, I think it fits in very well. I mean, uh, the field of physical education and sports education is, has evolved, okay, and become very sophisticated. Uh, and I think uh, follows now, the new models now follow a lot of what SEL is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I think, you know, SEL used to talk about, well, you want to promote children's personal social and academic development and here in sports education and physical education you're talking about promoting their physical development as well mm-hmm. so it really is you know part of the more comprehensive approach so the fit is excellent yeah and and i think you know you brought this up earlier of when we talk about sel and in, in general in education a lot of times physical education is left out you know when people do these big reviews, they kind of leave physical education out. And I think that, right. you know, we are as a, as a subject, the only subject that actually works on the physical portion of we have psychomotor motor objectives. And I think that one of the things that I feel in sports, if we talk about sports is, you know, a researcher Kathy Ennis used to say that, you know, sports is ideal because it creates authentic conflict, you know, you don't have to role play into a situation of something to, let's say this happened. When yeah. something happens in a sporting environment, it's instant conflict. So how do you resolve that conflict? How right. do you work on SEL skills? And I think that that's a, that's a tremendous opportunity for, for our field in physical education or sport pedagogy or wherever you're trying to implement these SEL uh, competencies. I think we have a lot to offer. And I think, you know, this book as as you've said is is something that's really going to 
expand and the understanding of SEL and education in general with them hopefully looking across and going, hey, they're doing very similar things and how can we now start integrating that across, uh, across different academic fields? Yeah, I was very, I was very impressed with you know, you know the advances and the thinking and the modeling that's developed within these fields of mystical ed and sports ed. I mean, they're very complementary and integrated with this whole notion of SEL stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Jalak. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, as a reminder, the, the book is coming out July 1st through Jones and Bartlett, Shape America publication, so you can find some more information on there. Uh, and uh, you can read the foreword by uh, Dr. Gerlach in there as well. So uh, thank you very much for, for coming on and hanging out on the podcast. I'll be sure to send you all this information to you. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. It was a pleasure. You got it.